DJ Tens of thousands on my right, thousands by my side War between good and evil, watching our fists collide Battle for our freedom now, to the streets we ride Flags waving all around, pages full of pride This is where we make a stand, no more give or take They want to use violence on Americans We want freedom We want peace We want freedom We want peace We want freedom We want peace Enough with tyranny We come to take our country back For all citizens White, red, brown, or black Return it to a form of glory Fix the bloody crack On the crown Fetch it down It's going down She warned me that this day would come I'm like my father, go to combat with the blazing guns I survived that, then I came back, took the place I'm from To face off all these haters and the battle in the place I love You can't break me down, I'm indivisible You still see my raps if I was invisible That pepper spray tastes like chicken We are standing up against some of the most sinister forces, entrenched interests, and vicious opponents our people have ever seen. You could say our country has never seen anything like it. But no matter how big or powerful these corrupt radicals may be, you must never forget our nation does not belong to them. Our nation belongs to you. America is on the edge of an abyss, and our movement is the only force on Earth that can save it. This movement right here. The fake news, they never even question it because it is, there's never been anything like it. Our MAGA movement is by far the greatest political movement in the history of our country. And you know what it really stands for? Loving our country. That's all it is. The job that's been done is unbelievable. You are the loyal defenders of our heritage, our liberty, our culture, our constitution, and our God-given rights. You never stop fighting for America, and I will never, ever stop fighting for you. Won't happen. I think we have to do what we have to do to bring our nation back, right? We have to run aggressive, unrelenting, and boldly populist campaigns. Populist. We want to be populist. We want to love our country. That's what we want. This is no time for complacency. We cannot be complacent. Our country is being destroyed more from the inside than out, frankly, like never before. And just hope that the recession doesn't turn into a depression, because the way they're doing things, it could be a lot worse than a recession. Because what you've seen in the past might be small potatoes compared to what happens. So be very, very careful. You remember when I was campaigning, I used to say, not thinking this could even be very possible, but it always had a chance. It will be Venezuela, large scale, or Venezuela on steroids. That's what's happening to our country. It's not even thinkable. And we have to throw off the shackles of globalism and reassert two very important words. You know what the words are? America first. It's a very simple thing. We have to put our country first. We had that done, and we were doing great. 
We have to take this chance to shatter the corrupt Washington establishment once and for all. We have to seize this opportunity to deal with the radical left, socialist, lunatics, and fascists. And we have to hit them very, very hard. It has to be a crippling defeat because our country cannot take it. And they're not finished yet. You know, they still have a little time left because now they have an excuse to do whatever they're doing. And I will tell you, it would have never, ever happened in a million years under Trump. I can tell you that. Under the Trump administration, we had the greatest economy in the history of the world. We had no inflation. We had no f inflation. It's, it was just nobody could even believe it. We gave you the largest tax cuts and regulation cuts in American history. After the pandemic, we handed the radical Democrats the fastest economic recovery ever recorded, the history of our country ever recorded. We created the safest border in U.S. history by far. By far. And we created a thing called Space Force. They smiled at it. Remember the first day they laughed at it? Oh, Space Force. They thought they were going to end it. And the public went crazy because you people know much more than they do. I rebuilt our military, including our nuclear capability. And we hope to God we never have to use it. We were going to be energy dominant. Now the United States is becoming a beggar for energy. We're begging. And the labor force participation is the worst in many many decades. That's the number that you have to look at. And now it's the worst border ever in history. There's never been a border like it, and that includes, in my opinion, third world countries, because there's no third world country that will allow millions of people to pour in. They have no idea. And the number of people coming in, that's not three million, four million. In my opinion, it would be anywhere from 10 to 15 million people this year, 10 to 15 million people. We have no idea who the hell they are. That's when we become Greece. That's when we become a country that's unsalvageable. And we're going to be there very soon. We're going to be there very soon. That was a lesson for us all. But what happened? We're trying to figure out what the hell happened. Where did this new philosophy come from all of a sudden? They surrendered our strength and our, our everything. Our dignity or our country is being systematically destroyed and everybody knows it. Job number one for the next Congress and the next president will be to restore public safety. Every American of every background deserves to live in safety and in peace. Every American. Savage criminals are being released on cashless bail to continue their violent rampages against the United States of America, a tremendous indicator of what's happening in our country. If they'd use the same energy to go and make our country great, it would be an incredible thing, but I don't know if they can do that. Another key priority for the next Congress and the next president will be to drain the swamp once and for all. We can't do it anymore. We've got to run this country properly. To remove rogue bureaucrats and root out the deep state, Congress should pass groundbreaking reform, empowering the president to ensure that any federal employee who is corrupt, incompetent, or unnecessary for the job can be told, you're fired. You ever hear that? You're fired. Prosperity and prestige will come back, and it'll come back strongly. Victory cannot come a moment too soon. We will restore patriotic education to our schools. 
And we will teach our children to love their country, honor our history, and to always respect our great American flag. And Common Core. Common Core should, it is a disaster. Education has to be local. This is your heritage, and our American liberty is your God-given right. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield. We will never give in. We will never give up. We will never, ever back down, because we are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. Including all of the hardworking activists who dedicate their lives to preserving a thing called American freedom. They're incredible people. Because faith is lifting up our souls, American pride is beating in our hearts, and pure, unflinching courage is coursing through our veins. We want to talk about greatness for our country. We don't want to talk about the things we've been talking about. What have we been talking about? COVID, the environment. The sea is going to rise one hundredth of an inch within the next 300 years. And it is time to start talking about greatness for our country again. We want to talk about greatness. We really do have to get going. Because believe me, we're in a bubble. We have artificially low interest rates. We have a stock market that, frankly, has been good to me, but I still hate to see what's happening. We have a stock market that is so bloated. Be careful of a bubble. We have people that don't have it. We have people that are morally corrupt. We have people that are selling this country down the drain. We have to rebuild our infrastructure, our bridges, our roadways, our airports. You come into LaGuardia Airport, it's like we're in a third world country. Rebuild the country's infrastructure. Nobody can do that like me, believe me. Now, I'm not doing that I'm not doing that to brag, because you know what? I don't have to brag. I don't have to, believe it or not. I'm doing that to say that that's the kind of thinking our country needs. We need that thinking. We have the opposite thinking. You look at these airports. We are like a third world country. And I come in from China, and I come in from Qatar, and I come in from different places. And they have the most incredible airports in the world. We have losers. We have losers. What they do is unbelievable. How bad? Sadly, the American dream is dead. My fellow Americans, this incredible journey we are on together has only just begun. This is your home. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. By making the United States, by making us rich again, by taking back all of the money that's being lost. And strengthen our military and take care of our vets. So, so important. We will make America safe again. Fully support and back up the Second Amendment. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America united again.
Hey, I'd like to give a big thank you out to everybody. Come out here and listen. I am Pying On. At least that's what my friends call me. But my real name is Joe Thomas, and I am just a regular slack-jawed yokel from the hills of West Virginia. I like to speak truth. I love my flag. And I don't mind sitting back having a nice cold drink sitting around a bonfire talking about how much we dislike the things that our government is doing. That's kind of the American way. Vote for them, then bitch about them. Freedom of speech. Kind of what we do. But the thing is, is now... That's illegal. You dare to speak out against the establishment in power. You could be facing prison time. You could be a terrorist. You could be on the no-fly list. Your life could be upended, destroyed, turned upside down. Your kids taken away and your house destroyed. Why? Because you dared to have an opinion. George Orwell said it best when he said, you want a picture of the future? Picture a military boot shoved into your neck. That's where we are America that is what we're headed to if we're not already there a police state surveillance at every corner and they're destroying the economy because they want to push these things called CBDCs at us what's that you say oh it's kind of like Bitcoin kinda except Bitcoin is decentralized which means there's no central power nobody's really in charge of it it kind of runs itself it gives people the power to make their own financial decisions they don't want that. CBDCs are the central bank digital currency. So your dollar, fiat, which is handed to you by the Fed, Federal Reserve that is, who's in control of our money, a private company, not a federal bank, not a federal at all. It's owned by the Rothschilds. Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve Act gave them the power to print paper notes in return for our money. Congress is supposed to have the power of the purse. They have the power to coin money from the treasury. But they don't do that. You ever wonder why? You ever wonder why the Federal Reserve note, known as a dollar, says that they are not legal tender? Our money used to say that it was actually exchangeable for the equal amount of silver and or gold. That's no more. They want to push a digital currency on us. Because for some reason, they've come to realize that even using fake cash given to us by the Fed, this thing that's not legal tender, the dollars that we hold in our wallets today, they can't trace it. They can't track it. So if you give five bucks to Jimmy down the road because he cleaned out your gutters or pulled weeds from your flower bed, they want to be able to track that. If you spent money on McDonald's today and went and got another burger tomorrow with cash, they want to be able to track that. Why? Because that's just what they do. Power, control. And the thing about the CBDCs is they're programmable. And what does that mean for the layman? That means they get to decide what you can and cannot spend it on. So if they, for some reason, climate change, the Green New Deal, whatever, deem that you're not allowed to spend more than a certain amount on gasoline for a month once you hit that amount no matter what you ain't getting no more gas there'll be no more go-go in your tank big brother is taking your piggy bank and giving you a little bit here and there no matter how hard you work and how much you earn you're going to be on rations 
And the thing is, is everybody thinks cryptocurrency is cool, which it is, if it's decentralized. They don't realize that the power and the loss of privacy, the loss of control, the loss of our freedom, that it would mean for us to get in on that, to them have control of it. We lose all power. So stand up, folks. Pay attention to what's going on around you, because these stories that you hear every day on this show of the January 6th inmates, the families, the defendants, the organizations that are out there fighting and speaking up and being loud and proud that they love their nation, they want to keep it safe, they want to keep it free, they want to keep the red, white, and blue flying above our heads without retribution. This is just the beginning. It's going to go from here. None of this is conspiracy theory. These are all things that are public, put out in the front. Fox News did a two-hour special on cryptocurrencies with uh, Fox Business or whatever it was called. Maria Bartiromo was talking about how the CBDCs and the loss of privacy. Tom Fitton, Judicial Watch, great guy out there doing a lot of heavy lifting, was talking about how the CBDC is a bad idea. They're going to take away power of our country. But yet, people weren't caring too much about the Hunter Biden laptop. They don't care too much about anything that's actually going on because, hey, you get to argue about stuff on Twitter. You're being distracted by a circus. And those that are speaking up for truth, speaking up for freedom and fighting for our nation right now are not distracted. They see very clearly. But the news wants you to think that we're crazy. Well, fine. Think that I'm crazy. But look into this yourself and tell me that I'm crazy after that. Because we know the truth. We've seen it. We've been fighting against it. We've been speaking out. Because we have seen what was going on and when you do realize that the truth that we've been saying is actually right all along you shouldn't ask yourself well hey how did you know what you really should ask is why didn't you what wool has been pulled over your eyes going through this process dealing with the justice system Seeing the injustices that are happening, knowing the truth, fighting the narrative, understanding that lives are at stake, quite literally, people's lives are being destroyed. That is one huge motivating factor that many of us focus on to fix what is going on in our nation. Take a listen to the Enjoy what is truly a compelling story because she has been through the entire process. Hey fam, you want to help keep this podcast going and support this endeavor of being an obnoxious prick to those that want to enslave us? Then check out mammothnation.com and use the 30% discount code of FREEDOMJ6. Mammothnation.com is a shopping market online that is a frontline competitor to Amazon. They do not help any of the companies that are pushing China into the forefront. They stay away from leftist causes. They vet all of the producers and um, merchants on their site for veteran-owned companies and companies that are friendly to our patriot movement. So go to mammothnation.com and snub your nose at Amazon. Use the discount code of FREEDOMJ6 and get 30% off. You can also get a sweet deal with makehoneygreatagain.com. Promo code FREEDOM. That way they know who sent you get a one pound raw bottle that looks like Donald Trump, which is hilarious. And honey is just amazing. So promo code freedom, make honey great again.com.
And if you're looking for merch, go to P2P Printing. That's the letter P, the number two, the letter P, printing.com and forward slash Pianon. You can get all the Sing for Freedom gear that your heart desires. And it is going to help make patriotism sexy again. P2Pprinting.com slash Pianon. All right, family, you know how we do things here. I have a wonderful patriot, a fellow J6er by the name of Kirsten Nimala. She is a warrior for truth, a spitfire, and has been given the FBI, the DOJ, and the Brandon administration absolute hell for much longer than they wanted, for sure. So thank you for coming on, Kirsten. How have you been doing? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm hanging in best I could be I mean it's it's better than most of the other people rotting in jail right now so well we certainly appreciate having you on and taking the time to share your story Um, honest unfiltered and just 100% patriotic you have an entire nation standing behind you and I've been following your story for quite some time Um, I know that you have had some some bumps and bruises from the fuzz and uh, just recently went through your sentencing. But before we get into the nitty gritty, for all those that are not part of the Cool Kids Club to know exactly who you are, give us a little bit of background. So I am a freedom-loving patriot. Um, And to take it back a little bit, to be honest, I was never into politics. I actually don't even think I voted until Trump ran in 2016. Now, I am also a gay female that does not fit the narrative of who I'm supposed to support. Um, But I am just, I'm here for truth. I'm here for justice. And I stand against the alphabet mafia, LGBTQ, ABCD. Um, And I am a strong advocate for a lot of different things like grooming children and overreach of government and you know the stolen election kind of brought me to a whole nother level kind of crazy how the uh lgbt mafia as you called it um tout themselves as non-conformists and then they get mad if you don't conform exactly other than um you know, the, the basics, uh, what have you done for a living? Like, what is it that makes Kirsten, Kirsten? So I actually do construction. I have detailed cars and motorcycles on the side for probably upwards of 18 years. Yeah, and I apprenticed for a master electrician on and off for five years. So what you're trying to tell us is that, uh, you are a badass for sure out there working with your hands getting down and dirty with uh you know messing with cars and electrical work um down there doing your thing so hat tip to you there um hell we have most of society doesn't want to work at all nowadays so oh trust me i know (laughs) that's it so how did you end up uh getting into politics if you you weren't involved at all and then ended up in January 6th? Well, so I feel like 
I was always kind of maybe the outcast growing up. I didn't finish school. Um, I felt like school was an indoctrination and I always questioned things. I was always that one questioning things. And I started to see, you know, I was a little naive to, you know, I'm just the average small person, you know, I, I'm, I'm nobody big. So things didn't really necessarily affect me personally, I guess, enough for me to understand politics and everything that was going on. So when Obama <laughs> was president for two terms, I it was him that really started it for me. And I feel like he was the president that divided this country. I feel like he is the president that started BLM and the whole racist thing. And then it kind of opened my eyes to a lot of different things. And everybody, I mean, I lost friends and family for being a Trump supporter. Um, and I just, I went with my gut and Trump exposed the child trafficking more than any president. Um, he exposed the deep state and just how corrupt it is. And a lot of my own personal things, like I have, anyone knows I've never been the person to play the gay card per se. Um, I just wanted to be treated equal and I just wanted to live my life. And I started noticing, you know, that I was a target. And I had some run-ins with the law that, you know, was me at a bar with eight people. And it was kind of a redneck bar. And I wasn't really accepted there. And this was only three years ago. So it's mind blowing to me where we are in 2023. But, um, you know, I got targeted and I got called the dyke. I mean, a, a faggot, a million different names. And I got arrested that night. It really took a turn for me in life. And I was the victim of discrimination and I was wrongfully arrested and I got that resolved, but it didn't stop me from being in the paper or, you know, false things being put out against me, uh, kind of the same as January 6th. So I knew that I had to take a stand and I am the mother without the child. That's what a lot of people in my life would tell you. I love children. I'm the biggest family person. I mean, for crying out loud, when it snows up here in New Hampshire, I literally grab my toe straps and I drive out in my truck and for free, mind you. And I pull people out of ditches and I help people on the side of the road. Um, you know, I, I took in a homeless man that I found sleeping in a tent by my storage unit and I offered him a job and he came to work and I'll never forget that night I dropped him off back at his tent in the middle of winter and I came home to my nice warm house and it brought me to tears. It ate at me and I went back and I said, hey, you know, what would, it, would you be willing to work with me and I'll pay you and I'll, I'll build you a room in my basement and you can stay with me until you get on your feet. You know, that's just the person I am. I mean, I, 
think it was like five years ago when Texas had that hurricane. And I didn't know not a single human being living in Texas. And I legit took off a week of work. I took donations from all around my state and I drove 36 hours to Texas to help a bunch of strangers. It, it hurts to know that the prosecution and how this whole January 6th thing has gone because it has portrayed me as a monster, a terrorist, uh, a right-wing extremist. And it's, it's just sad because that's, that's not who I am. I just believe in this country and what it's founded on and the constitution and rule of law and equal protection under the law. And I witnessed, as we all did, the summer of love. It kind of opened my eyes even more to, wow. So if politicians tell you that we're racist, it's okay to take over federal courthouses burn down police stations, take over a city, kill cops, kill elderly people with two by fours. I mean, the things I witnessed and we all did was unbelievable. And it, it, it steered me into, you know, flag waving three days a week after I work all day and going on convoys, going to DC for the stop to steal in December and then going when my president asked me to go. What was that like when you went to the rally before the Capitol and all that, uh, when you showed up in DC and went to hear President Trump speak, um, what was the atmosphere like for you? Oh my God, I, I still say it to this day. It has got to be one of the most patriotic, loving, calm, peaceful rally I've ever or event for for that matter that I've ever attended. Um, you know, we got there the night before, and of course there was a lot of patriots that were staying in, you know, different hotels, but we had met a bunch of patriots in the parking garage and we all hung out. We took an Uber. I wanna say that we were at the speech at the ellipse by five thirty in the morning the latest. And we stood in place, no bathroom, no nothing. And we stood in place, shoulder to shoulder with strangers until Trump spoke and until he was done. I mean, we sang the national anthem, Pledge of Allegiance. And when I got on Mike's shoulders, which is one of the patriots I met, and I was recording, I mean, as far as the human eye could see in every direction. And, you know, fake news will tell you there's a couple thousand. No, there was easily well over a million people at that speech. And yeah, I had no I had no intentions, although the prosecution might want to paint another picture, misinterpreting my own personal text messages that I think are a farce to bring into a trial. But yeah, I I never planned to go to the Capitol until Trump said we are going to peacefully and patriotically go to the Capitol. And I didn't rush to the Capitol. I mean, I have pictures, videos. I stopped and sat on the steps. I recorded 
the thousands of people walking down the street. When I got to the Capitol, I climbed a tree and I took pictures and videos. I never went and stormed the Capitol, as they say. Um, but I did end up going in. You know, unfortunately, it may paint me in some light as a follower in some people's eyes, but I see it as more of a protector. Um, I am very loyal. I'm a very protective person. Um, and when I was in the tree taking pictures and videos and I got down and one of my friends who drove from New Hampshire with me, she's a single mom. She has two kids and they were at my house in New Hampshire. And she's a little sheltered, but likes to live on the edge and likes the adrenaline rush. So she was all about going. And when I came down from the tree, she was gone. So me and another friend went looking for her. And, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I wasn't there for all the people fighting with cops. Like, I was nowhere involved in any of that. Um, so once I found her, which was outside, you know, the prosecution wants to bring that up. It was outside. And at that point, at that point she was going no matter what and I felt that I needed to protect her for the fact that her children are at home at my house and so we end up in the building and you know they they want to say that we blew through cops in these barricades and you know there was no fencing when I entered that lawn first of all second of all um, inside you know, they, they show this video, I'm sure you've seen it, uh, with the guy, I still don't know his name. He's wearing a Trump beanie and he eventually gets on a megaphone. And now we're all stopped in the hallway. Nobody's like, you know, assaulting all these cops and everything so crazy like they want to paint it. Um, but when we're standing there, and when I explain this video, you'll probably know exactly which video it is. So... We're standing there and one of the Antifa guys um, that Ashley Babbitt punched in the face with the mucklat, muckluck hat, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, he came out from behind this so-called police line inside the building. None of these cops, you know, put their hands on their guns. None of them seemed threatened. This guy comes out from behind them. So we're all thinking, what are you protecting? if you have protesters coming out from behind you and you know he starts a big ruckus and you know the reason for my sunglasses and masks first of all anybody who knows me i wear sunglasses when it's dark out <laughs> i have blue eyes i wear contacts that's just my thing um i'm against masks and everybody knows that i wear them at work when i'm working in 20 degree weather um but I did put my mask on in the Capitol, which is being used against me. But the reality of it is, is I didn't enter with a mask. I pulled up my mask knowing that I had to be in DC for another night, knowing that what I went through in December when I was in DC, when Antifa was attacking people and the Proud Boys actually saved us and escorted us to our hotel for safety. I could tell who the bad actors are. 
and I could start recognizing. And I am one of those people that kind of have a face you don't forget. So I didn't want to be identified by these people and be doxxed or, you know, harassed at my hotel. So that was the purpose of the mask. Um, but, you know, I what they paint me as is nothing to what really happened. You know, they were very selective on videos and pictures and trying to paint their own narrative. But the truth is, is that we all know cops allowed people in. They waved them in, they opened the gates, they opened the doors. Um, and basically, you know, I wanted my voice to be heard. And to be honest, my whole life, I was told, you know, you're a sin for being gay. God doesn't love you. So I was honestly never really a believer in God. And I now know that God saved me for a reason. That kind of also sparked all of these events and outspokenness that I was because I felt that I never had a voice. I believe God saved me. I, I found God on my own terms coming from that. Um, I think there's been a false narrative. You know, you got the hardcore religious people that tell you, oh, you're a sin for being gay. You know, don't walk into a church. You'll It might burn down, you know, all these things. And, you know, these are also people that are reading from a Bible that's been rewritten however many times. And if God is about love and peace and forgiveness and acceptance and all of these things, well, then why why don't I fall into that category just because of who I may choose to love so well, we're, we're all part of God's creation in exactly all creatures so I you know three years ago was when I found God in my own ways and I've been actively trying to figure everything out and you know where I where I fit into this and it, it's been a struggle but I have a voice and I'm going to use it and I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm going to stand up for what I believe in and this country and my fellow Patriot Americans, you know, Americans. And that's truly an amazing testimony. I cannot imagine the adversity that you had to overcome, be held in the bosom of God to given a second chance at life, a new realization, and then utilize every talent and every bit of strength that you've had to help show love and compassion and appreciation to others around you, whether you're going to help people from hurricanes that you've never met or helping house the homeless and getting people back onto their feet to every other um, bit that you've shared. So uh, first, I'd just like to say thank you. That's, that's a truly amazing story. It, you know, it's it's taken me a long time to be able to talk about it. Um, being attacked for being gay over and over and over again. Because it was, you know, and I don't play the gay card, but I'm not going to lie and say that I was not bullied and ridiculed my whole life. Because that would be a lie. And it gets worse for me, this whole January 6th thing, because wow. so this has been more than just January 6th for me. You know, my other co-defendant who I tried to protect turned against me. You know, she took a plea deal. She was supposed to be the government's number one witness until they decided, 
last minute, oh, actually, we're not going to call her as a witness unless you testify. So they knew that I was well prepared, whether my attorneys were or not. I didn't care whether I stood up and said what I had to say because I had uh, a clown show for an attorney. Um, But I wanted her to testify. As much as she has tried to destroy my life personally, I wanted her to testify because she would have been uh, a witness for them that would have, hopefully, if I had the correct jury, would have opened their eyes to the manipulation and lies of recruiting people to turn against their friends and make up lies. So, you know, she gave statements that I've read that, you know, she was never into politics before me, that I tried to make her climb through a broken window. First of all, we walked in an open door, Um, that I smoke weed. I mean, everything that you could bring up to try and destroy somebody and turn against them so you get a slap on the wrist is what has happened in my case. And it's really sad and disgusting the levels that this government will go to to get your friends and family members to turn against you. Did they make any overt threats to them or uh, threats of prosecution? Well, so the funny thing is, is that she was supposed to be sentenced in August of last year. And I called into her sentencing and I never got through. And I wasn't the only one. So then when the government flew to New Hampshire and did a reverse proffer with me, um, I had asked them, why has she not been sentenced yet? Well, she's cooperating with the government. Oh, okay. So depending on how much she cooperates, and she still to this day has not been sentenced, mind you. So it's February 1st now. Still has not been sentenced. So I'm going to take that as she will get a slap on the wrist because she cooperated, although her cooperations were lies and manipulation and deflection off of her own actions. It seems nowadays the prosecutors care more about a win than actual justice. Oh, no, they, they, that is that is 100% true. When I saw these people laughing, making jokes, and then to top it off, when I got found convicted, <laughs> found guilty, my own lawyers went up to the prosecutors as soon as the jury left the room, shaking hands, laughing, smiling, congratulating each other. I mean, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing before my own eyes. Wow. Did you have a public defender? Did you have a proper counsel? No, I I had, so I had a public defender in D.C. Um, Me and her did not get along. Um, I asked her for a copy of her oath of office and her fiduciary bond, and she did not like that. So she filed to withdraw from my case. And then I was assigned a couple of months later Um, two attorneys from my home state who are supposedly federal attorneys, but have never, they're not licensed in DC. So 
Apparently, Judge Cooper pushed through for them to be able to practice in D.C. And so they've been my attorney since at least the beginning of October, maybe even before that. And I met with them several times. They refuse to use any pictures, any videos in my defense. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. If anything, all they did was try to say, well, you know, Miss Nimala went in after her friend. You didn't defend me. You just painted me as I followed my friend in. But that's only a portion of the story and the facts. You know, so when I first got arrested January 18th of last year, mind you, months previous to that, I had called an attorney that that I know and I had asked him, what do I do? The FBI is harassing my family. They're harassing my friends. They're calling people. They're showing up at people's houses. So he advised me to call and speak with them. And I said, well, you know, is it okay if I record it? And he said, as long as you let them know you're recording it. So I called the FBI and I spoke to the agent and I, you know, let them know I was recording it. And I asked them two questions. One, have I been indicted? And two, do you have a warrant for my arrest? And he said, nope, not at this time, but I assume one will be coming. Okay, well, you have my phone number. No, you couldn't be a decent human being to let me turn myself in. You hacked into my phone illegally and you found out what time I was going to work that day. And so I'm about a quarter of a mile from my boss's house and I see a local town cop behind me. To be honest, it had been so long that I thought it was over. Uh, you know, I thought maybe, hey, you know, I'm not going to look too much into this. If I if I would have thought about it more and not been a late for work and two just flustered, I would have taken out my phone. And I beat myself up for that every day, not having my arrest on video. So I pull into my boss's house. The town cop pulls in behind me. And you know, I'm getting my tools. I open my door like I'm paying no mind. And he comes up and he's like, license and registration. And I said, can I ask for what reason? Oh, you were kind of speeding. I said, you and I both know I was not speeding. So as soon as he looks at my license, grabs my arm. And I said, he's like, I have a warrant for your arrest. And I said, listen, my boss is upstairs. My mother just got off third shift. She's also upstairs. Can I please just let them know what's happening? Nope. Don't worry about it. We'll let them know. So I'm sure I sounded like a crazy person because I was outside screaming for my boss or my mom and nobody heard me. Nobody came out. All of a sudden within, I don't know, a minute all of a sudden, like seven, nine cars, whatever, come swarming my boss's house. Undercovers, FBI, everybody. And now I've dislocated my right shoulder at least six times. And my only solution is surgery. That's just not a route I want to go. So like the last time was playing fetch with my dog. That's how easily it can come out. 
So, mind you, it's January. It's winter time. And he has me now by both of my arms all the way, like my elbows are like almost over my head. And I'm on my tippy toes. And I'm like, mind you, I'm 125 pounds soaking wet, okay? So I'm like, listen, you're hurting me. Can you please let go a little bit? And he's like, stop resisting. I said, I'm not resisting. You're going to pop my shoulder out of socket. And he's like, if you keep resisting, I'm going to slam you on this fucking ice. And it's real cold. Exact words. Wow. A male officer manhandling a female and threatening me to slam me on the ice because I'm telling you that you're going to pop out my shoulder. So then, of course, we get to the local police station. They take my phone, fingerprints, DNA, the whole nine. Then they drive me about 45 minutes to Concord to the marshals, where I then sat in handcuffs and shackles for, I don't know, they arrested me at like nine in the morning. My hearing wasn't until four. Um, then they tried asking for an ankle monitor. Thankfully, the New Hampshire judge told them that that was overreach and asked them why they were asking for that. Oh, well, you know, Miss Nimala's lived out of state before. She has family out of state. And and the judge was kind of like, uh, well, I mean, this kind of happened over a year ago. Pretty sure if Miss Nimala wanted to flee the country, she would have already. So they were not granted that, but I was put on strict um, restrictions. Also, I feel at the hands of my co-defendant and her lies and all of the things she told them. So I was put on drug testing every month, court-ordered counseling every week, restricted my travel. And the best part is they red flagged me at the airlines. So I have video after video of every time I have flown. Now, mind you, may seem a lot and people's like oh you're you're not really that restricted yes i am i missed the birth of my one and only nephew which nobody will give that back to me the only person i have been allowed to go visit is my sister in florida and that's of course filling out a form the address everybody i'm gonna be with their phone numbers all of this so i have all the videos of a wonderful terrorist treatment that I got every time I I flew and then not to mention it wasn't just me they flagged anybody that was a possible traveler with me so they got the same treatment as I did you know when I asked the FBI about it at my reverse proffer the agent said that he was the one that put me on it and he's the only one that can take me off of it so I guess smoking weed in America when, you know, some states legalize heroin, fentanyl, meth, cocaine, and we we trade a a terrorist for a basketball player over marijuana, you know, they want to try and send me to jail for smoking weed. I mean, it's the most mind-blowing thing. It's the most... It's crazy. Just for the audience, uh, what is a reverse proffer? So a reverse proffer is when the government, the prosecutors will come to you, meet with you in person, 
They show you all the videos they have against you and all the evidence. And they sit there and say, hey, listen, you didn't break anything. You weren't violent. And we don't want to see you ruin your life over this. So we'll make you an offer. We'll drop three of your charges. You plead guilty to one. We can all move on from this. And I'm like, yeah, so if my crimes were so severe, why are you willing to to get rid of three of them? And why is it that every deal you offer seems to be the same charge, the parading, demonstrating, and picketing, which still holds up to six months in jail. Um, so they offered me a deal. It was open-ended. I tried to negotiate a C plea, which is basically we agree on a plea, like you take this deal you'll get two months probation something like that you know they were not willing to do that for any january 6th defendant so my plea deal was very open-ended it was drop three charges plead guilty to this and it's up to the judge and what we mean by that is it's going to go by your upbringing your personal life your finances your criminal record your schooling um, and your job history. And then the judge gets to decide. Well, for that one charge, I still could have gotten six months in jail, up to five years probation and up to a $5,000 fine. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. For one, it also came with a lot of stipulations like, I have to hand over my phone again. No, you already took my phone for two weeks. I'm not giving you my phone. You've already violated every privacy I have. Um, I also would have to cooperate like my co-defendant, possibly testify against other January Sixers. Um, there's a lot of stipulations to it that they weren't willing to bend or break on. And I said, absolutely not. That's not who I am. And I believe this whole thing is a setup from the start. And you just want to rack up as many guilty pleas so Trump can't run again. That's it. So what were your charges? So I have four misdemeanors, um, two disorderly conducts, a trespassing, and the parading, demonstrating, and picketing. Okay, yeah, that those do tend to be the the four bullet point charges that they uh, give out to a lot of folks. They, they tend to throw in the 1512C2, the obstruction of an official proceeding, which is a felony. So count yourself lucky that you didn't get slapped with that one because that alone holds 20 years. Well, now I hear that um, from uh, some patriots fighting in this, that there's a defendant that told them to essentially shove their plea deal up their ass. And now they made threats to add charges well you that... you might actually be have heard about me um they offered me a plea when i was initially arrested i was given a criminal complaint of six charges and then um formally indicted with 10 and then they offered me a plea deal of like 41 to 51 months five hundred thousand dollars in fines uh, probation and the whole all the jumping through the hoops that they offered you as well and then when I told them that they could, uh, I, 
respectfully declined, let's just put it that way, their yeah. plea deal. Um, they threw on two more charges, and now I have a total of five uh, counts of assault on a police officer charged against me. But in all honesty, unless I assaulted their nightsticks with my face, I don't know how they could charge me with any, because I didn't attack anybody. Um, well, I preached peace and no violence the whole time that I was there. So, yeah. So, you know, bring it back a little bit. When I was arrested, I originally was on a complaint with what, uh, two co-defendants, okay? And then one pleaded out. Um, oh, sorry, it was just me and her. She pleaded out. So my probation officer had called me and said, hey, just wanted to let you know that they dropped your charges and you're off probation. But don't be surprised if they recharge you. I'm like, okay. So I, it went like three weeks, not on probation. My charges were gone. Wow, okay. Then I get a call. Oh, you've been recharged with a new co-defendant. So my other co-defendant lives in Kansas. You know, I, I didn't know him except for the night before, but I can just, I can tell he's a true patriot. He's a good man. He has three kids and a wife, same job, never been arrested. Um, so they put me with him. Now, the funny thing about it is the three of us went in together, never left each other's side and came out together. Funny how he has four felonies and four misdemeanors. One of them going on the floor of the Senate. First of all, we never went on the floor of the Senate. Um, second of all, uh, assaulting a cop. He didn't assault a cop. So they bullied him and intimidated him to take a plea deal. And he negotiated to the best, I guess, with his public defender who just sold him out anyways, but um, finally convinced him, hey, you're facing eight years in prison. If you don't take this deal, you know, you're, you're screwed. So he took the deal against everybody's better judgment and he took the deal for 24 months. So he's essentially pleading guilty to something he did not do, assaulting, impeding, or whatever an officer just to get it over with because he wants to see his kids graduate. And that to me breaks my heart. That this is the strong arm that they have against people. So he takes a deal and essentially now I'm the lone wolf by myself. So yeah, I find it funny that my charges were dropped, then I was recharged with another co-defendant. And it's just been a roller coaster, <laughs> to say the least. And unfortunately, that tends to be the story with the majority of these cases the full weight of the federal government just hammers down on them like a military boot on their neck until they finally just give in and take a plea deal and i honestly in my opinion think that's how come the federal government has a such a high conviction rate you know something like 99 and a half percent it's over 99 percent because they push everybody into pleas yeah um, so you know Everyone has to make a decision for themselves, and I don't I don't judge anybody that takes a plea deal. But I also, you know, keep in mind that every person that takes a plea, whatever forced testimony the prosecutor makes them give at the end of their case, 
um, can be used against anybody that goes to trial. And on top of that, they uh, are setting up this narrative that, you know, we are evil insurrectionists that tried to overthrow the government and blah, 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 so that they can't, uh, so they can use it in court against the orange bad man. And so, you know, I commend you for sticking by your convictions and uh, not taking the plea. Um, Once you went forward with the proceedings uh, into trial, uh, is it my understanding that you did not actually get a pre-trial hearing? Is that correct? I did not. My pre-trial was supposed to be, it was changed quite a few times. Uh, It was supposed to be the week before my trial on a Tuesday. And that got canceled because the judge had a conflict of scheduling. Uh, Then my pre-trial was moved to Friday. um, And my trial was due to start Monday, mind you. So then Friday, I get a call after I left work early, costing me more money to get home for this Zoom meeting. And I get a call from my lawyer as I'm almost in my driveway. And he tells me, oh, the Barnett case isn't done yet. Um, We can't do the pretrial. Okay, so when are we doing pretrial? Because every other attorney that I've asked, you know, the pretrial, from my understanding, is to go over the motions that have been filed on both sides, whether the judge denies them, accepts them, and also basically they get to determine what your line of defense is. So like the government filed motions that I'm not allowed to mention Ashley Babbitt, that I'm not allowed to use entrapment, and that I'm not allowed to say the police let me in. So they get to determine what my defense is. And we filed a change of venue against, (laughs) my lawyers didn't want to file it. And I raised holy hell. And I said, I don't care if you want to file it or not. I don't care if you think it's a waste of your time. I want you to file it. So they did. Um, So basically, the morning of my trial, my jury selection, the judge, you know, had a few minutes to waste. So he's like, oh, you know, we'll go over a few of these motions right now and then we'll do the rest as as they come up. Now, mind you, a pretrial and what they decide. So say my lawyer's been preparing to use this as a defense, A, B and C. But then the judge says, oh, you can't use A, B and C. Well, don't you think that my lawyer needs time to prepare before trial? Yeah, you would think so. You would think. No, that's not what happened. So he went over a few motions, denied my change of venue. Um, And then things that my lawyers had objected to as far as exhibits, we basically did them as they came. So as the prosecution is showing exhibits, or about to show an exhibit, and it's something that we objected to. Um, it, it essentially got dealt with in the moment, I guess. <laughs> um, and then my lawyers decided upon themselves, not with my my say, that you know all those pages of objections, we're actually not going to object to any of them. And I said, why? Well, because you know. I, I think it'll help you in the in the sense that you're not hiding anything from the jury. I said, you have got to be kidding me. So you're going to allow them 
to present all of these things that are A, irrelevant, or B, just straight out slander. So that's what they did on their own without any permission or anything from me. Um, they failed to object to a lot of things. Um, so starting with the, the jury pool, <laughs> so we had 50 jurors come into a room. They're given an index card and the judge reads off a series of 27 questions. Now, mind you, also, I'm not the professional here. I'm not an attorney. I had brought up a, a very good factor, I think, to my attorneys a week before trial when they gave me the papers of the questions that were going to be asked. And I said, well, don't you think it's a little important to add a question on same-sex relationships or the fact that I'm gay? Because, okay, you may find a juror that could be neutral. Well, what if they're against gay people? So he's like, oh, that's a good idea. I didn't think of that. Like, seriously? <laughs> so, <laughs> so they added that last minute. So these questions were normal jury questions. And then a few at the end, like, oh, if you find out that the defendant believes that the 2020 election was stolen, do you think you could give her a fair trial? If you find out that the, the, the defendant is a QAnon supporter, would you have a hard time giving her a fair trial? Like questions like that, right? So a lot of these people answered yes. You know, have you watched the January 6th committee hearings? Blah, blah, blah. So then they bring them in one at a time into the courtroom. And the judge asked them about all the questions they answered yes to. And I mean, I think the judge had to show face in some aspects. I mean, he only striked, I think, four or five people. And these were people that A, were friends with him personally. B, this one guy gets up there and he straight up says, I think that anybody that went to the Capitol that day is a terrorist. He's like, all right, have a good day. You're excused. But other than that, he straight up himself said, well, this isn't looking too good. And of course, I'm thinking to myself, well, if you would have given me my change of venue, we wouldn't be going through this. So everybody conveniently lived within a mile of the Capitol. Um, they were personally affected, whether they couldn't go to work the next day. Their best friend is a Capitol police officer. Their husband works for a senator at the Capitol. Um, one of them was a law student that interns for Judge Moss in the same building prosecuting January Sixers. Wow. So it was a sham, okay? And it's like the, the judge and the prosecutor, like what I consider is rehabbing them back. So they're gung-ho that they are personally affected. They don't think they could give me a fair trial. And then the judge says, well, if I give you strict instructions, do you think you could set aside your personal feelings? Um, um, and they sit there and pause for what seemed to be a minute at some points. I think I can. Oh, you're accepted. 
So, so then, maybe constitutes as impartiality, huh? Exactly. So then it gets even better. <laughs> so then we get to strike 10 jurors. The prosecution gets to strike six. Okay. So as these jurors are being switched out and striked, I start to notice, wait a minute, the government already striked their six. So why are these people that, I mean, maybe they could have been neutral. Nevertheless, they were, I guess, better than some. So I start seeing these people being switched out and I'm like, what is going on here? And my lawyer is like, I I don't know. And he starts looking at the paper and he's like, I think I mixed up the numbers. I said, you did what? Oh man. So then we get on the phone with the judge and the judge, he tells him, your honor, you know, I, I was confused. I think I picked some of the wrong numbers. Nope, never let him correct it. I was stuck with them, period. So that was the first day. And at that point, I knew I was, that the next four days was going to be a complete waste of my time. I, I, right then and there, knew I was never getting a fair trial. And then the lack of defense, not one picture, not one video, very rare objections. Um, and then they tried to intimidate my, my one and only witness that my lawyers decided, oh, you know, out of all these people, nah, we're just gonna pick this one. So, you know, they started asking him questions like very, what I found to be very sexist. Oh, you know, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a master electrician. How many women are in that field? Kirsten does construction. How many women are in that field? So it's safe to say that Miss Nimola is tough, right? Nobody forced her to go into that capital. She's outspoken, right? And I'm like, is this real life right now? So they tried to intimidate my witness before he testified because he went to the Capitol with me, but he never went in. So they had to assign him a lawyer to speak to before he testified and inform him of his Fifth Amendment rights and that he could face possible prosecution for being on the lawn. What witness intimidation itself, that's against the law. Yep, you would think. So, yeah, and then, you know, their closing arguments were, oh, you know, you heard from Miss Nemo's witness. He's a liar. He's this, he's that. You know, Miss Nemo pre-planned to go to the Capitol. And, you know, she thinks that our government committed treason and she wants them all to go to Gitmo. And she wrote this text message that says, hang them high. And, you know, there was a noose outside on the lawn I'm like, oh my God. Yes, I was personally gonna go into the Capitol and start hanging people. Are you kidding me? It sounds like, uh, if anything, um, for your appeal, you're gonna end up having a good case for negligent defense. Oh, that and the jury pool alone. Right. That's, that, uh, that's a mistrial right then and there, before we even continued after Monday. So what other um, aspects of your trial uh, stick out to you? You know, like I said, my lawyers were very unprepared. They've never done a case in DC. 
So they didn't know how to use the phones. They didn't know how to use the microphone. They got yelled at. I, I lost count by the clerk on how to address the judge or speaking into the microphone. They didn't know how to use the phones. They didn't know where they could stand to talk to the jury. I mean, it was at minimum embarrassing, first off. It was, you know, the prosecutors, they stood out to me. I don't know what bonuses or benefits they get for as many people as they can ruin their lives. But I mean, to sit there at the table and laugh and joke and, you know, right before my witness testified, mind you, they asked the judge for a five minute break. I already knew what they were doing. They were looking up my witness to try and get as much dirt on my witness, which is exactly what they did. So my witness is a personal friend, an ex-boss. You know, he had some personal family things. You know, his parents had dementia. They were being held by the state, weren't allowed to come home. We tried to clean out their house for like seven weeks. They were hoarders. Um, and a sister came out of the woodworks, you know, looking for money, which that's a very common thing when it comes to death or, you know, siblings fighting over money or their parents. Um, you know, death and things like that really show people's true colors. So he was wrongfully arrested four years ago, mind you, for using his father's credit card to buy his father clothes at the nursing home. And his sister, who he hadn't seen in 20 years, comes out of nowhere and takes over power of attorney, files all these, you know, uh, complaints that end up getting him arrested. So that's what they were doing. So they pulled that up. So while he's on the witness stand, oh, uh, Mr. Leach, is it true that you have pending fraud charges? And of course I nudge my attorney. Are you gonna object to this? So he objects and we get on the phone with the judge and the judge asks the prosecutors, where are you going with this? And he said, well, I think it goes against his credibility. I'll give you a little bit of leeway. Never striked it from the record, never nothing. So they already tainted the jury. So and then with their quick. closing statements, oh, you heard from Mr. Leach and he's a liar and this and this. And I'm like, so I don't if know. I understand this, if I understand this correctly, you're saying that they brought up uh, that he had pending charges that were four years in the running? Yes. While he was wow. on the stand. So innocent until proven guilty is out the window there, too. Exactly. So all they did was taint the jury some more. And then, you know, they pull up, they pull up my Facebook post, my text messages, all sorts of things. <laughs> and um, try to paint a picture that, you know, again, I pre-planned it, that I was going to take back the government, that I was going to send all these people to Gitmo, where I was going to hang them all, and we were going to take over. And I'm like, first of all, that's where you're mistaken. None of us went there to overthrow the government. The true patriots went there to have our voices heard, peacefully protest, redress our grievances, and support the hundred plus 
Congress people and senators that were going to object to the certification. That's where they have it all mixed up. Is they paint you as, oh, you were going there to overthrow the government. First of all, Trump was still in office, okay? And that's not what we were doing. But you guys pre-planned, like you try to blame it on us, hence the videos of the FBI recruiting people prior to January 6th. Then you got Ray Epps. Then you got Antifa people. You got busloads being dropped off. You have videos of people changing into MAGA gear before the rally. You have all these actors. So were, were we the real problem? Or was it our own government overthrowing our own government? Definitely some bad actors that organized and pre-planned the uh, quote-unquote insurrection on the other side to frame it onto us, you know? They, uh, right, and then, when, and then when the FBI was questioned on the stand, you know, have you seen in the last two years of your investigation, have you seen any videos of police letting people in? You know what his answer was? No. Just like at my reverse proffer, when my lawyer brought up, because I had shown him a video of cops waving people in, and he had asked them, well, are, are you guys a... Have you guys seen the videos of cops waving people in? In in almost two years of doing, or over a year at that time, we have never seen such video. Are you kidding me? The public has seen the videos. So you're gonna tell me as a prosecutor and an FBI agent that you did not see any videos of police letting people in. So again, now if I lie under oath, oh, best believe I'll be charged. But it just goes to show that it's not equal protection under the law. I had two people rat me out and meet with the FBI. One of them, the one I spoke of earlier, he told them that I was a member of the Proud Boys. First of all, I'm a woman. I'm not a member of the Proud Boys, okay? Second of all, he told them that I came home from January 6th showing him a video bragging of me breaking a window. Really? Because two years later, I've never seen such video because they have video of me walking through a door. I never broke a window. And this witness told you that and lied to you. Lying to the FBI is a felony, is it not? Yeah. And I brought that up. Oh, Miss Nimala, if we charged everybody that lied to us, Oh, okay, so it's pick and choose. I see how this works. So that person luckily was not called to testify in my trial because I think they realized when I went off about it that they it would be stupid to put him on the stand because every single thing he said was a lie. So again, it is only their choice on who gets charged. And of course, if you are on the right side of history, you are being charged. If you are ratting a Trump supporter out and lying, that is a-okay because you know what? His statement and his lies, that was my statement of facts. That was what was blasted on the news in my home state. New Hampshire woman gets arrested. Her friend ratted her out to the FBI, breaking a window in the Capitol. That's all over the news. I lost my job when that was posted on the news. 
So I've been defamed. I've been lied about. I have been blasted on local and national news off of lies. And as far as I'm concerned, my complaint or my indictment was based off of lies. You took statements and put out a statement of facts that were blatant lies. So how is that a statement of facts? This is all kangaroo court, you know? They they are just oh, going after political oh, just going after political opposition. You know, we pose a threat to them because we believe in truth and honesty and American values and we are not just going to sit back and idly stay quiet while they try to dismantle our country one brick at a time. And it's patriots like yourself that have really given them fear because you think for yourself, you speak for yourself, you stand by your own convictions and they don't know how to handle that, especially the fact that you're a gay woman and that definitely does not fit their stereotypical narrative that they want to push. So Exactly. God bless you, Gurley. <laughs> <laughs> um, I cannot thank you enough for the, the time that you've given me. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with our, our audience uh, before we go ahead and wrap this up? Yes. So everybody who knows me knows um, I am a very hard worker. I am very independent. It is extremely hard for me to ask for help. Um, and it wasn't even me that made my give, send, go. It was actually my mother because my mother has been my biggest supporter and she has watched me reach the lowest of lows. And she made a give, send, go for me um, because I am hiring an actual attorney. I've been speaking to quite a few big names um, to represent me for my sentencing and my appeal will be firing my public pretenders. Um, so I do have a give send go that came out like two days ago. If people could please, even if it's a dollar, five dollars, I mean, between all the Americans in this country, if everybody could just pitch in not only to mine, but others and help us along with our fight, it is greatly appreciated. Lawyers are not cheap. I'll make sure to put your gifts and go up on our website and also in the description box for this podcast. And there's tons of patriots out there that have a huge heart and are willing to um, go above and beyond to help out because, you know, we all know the truth. It's only a small clique of people and those that are rotting in the swamp that truly believe the lies that they've been feeding themselves for the last two years. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. We will make sure to put that out there so that you know we can try to get you some help in any possible way that we can. <clears throat> and I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate, you know, January 6th defendants like yourself and there's quite a few others. And, you know, for all the work that they've done, you know, there's Mel, there's Randy, there's David, Samrell, there's... Trennis, you know, there's all these people. But I, you know, I would like to also say that, you know, there's there's been a lot of mixed things with the Freedom Patriot Party or whatever it is, the group that's raised millions of dollars that has not given a cent to any January Sixers. I would also just like to make an announcement that 
people need to be careful and do your own due diligence to figure out who the good people and the bad people are because unfortunately some of these people are in it for themselves. I would also like to say that you shouldn't be picking and choosing which January Sixers you support whether they only have misdemeanors or felonies because my misdemeanors hold just as much time as somebody with a felony. So I think that we should all be fair fairly treated and I think that everybody should be working as hard for every January Sixer and not just picking and choosing. Well, absolutely. And the the grifters um we all know who they are and shame on them. Um it is disgusting to try to take advantage of the kindness of others at the peril of those that are suffering persecution for their freedoms and for their rights. Um and yeah, that that group is disgusting in my opinion. Now for as for helping out uh, all the other J6ers like we do everything that we possibly can to promote them. We put their gifts and goes up and just like I'm going to be putting up yours and uh, on our website which is sing the number 4 freedom.us singforfreedom.us and in there because of there being some bad actors and some bad groups that are putting their face out in front of this movement um I have an affiliates page that has all of the groups that are legitimately out there to help and to not make a profit they put food on the books for the guys locked up inside the Patriot Mail Project helps people to get letters to the January Sixers. Um, you know, we work very closely with uh, Mickey Whithoff for Ashley.com, which is Ashley Babbitt's mom, as well as A for Justice.org. That's A, the number four Justice.org, which is uh, Randy Ireland, who you mentioned before, and so also. So I actually got uh, to meet Ashley Babbitt's mom yeah, when Mickey's I was in DC, and that was that was awesome. She sat in on my trial. shortly but you know I understand that the videos are hard for her to watch um Randy came in and sat for a little bit I sat in on Barnett's um verdict I also That's got to go. give him a hug and you know it's it's sad to see what's happening but you know I've tried to weed out who's really in it for themselves and who is actually fighting for us yeah it takes discernment and we all strive for truth so you've been doing a good job cuz i i know very uh well the groups that you that you've mentioned we work closely with all of them uh mel has by far been one of my dearest friends throughout this entire uh debacle and she does amazing work um you know i started the sing for freedom campaign uh 2 years ago to stand in solidarity with the j6ers to get folks out here in the public to sing the national anthem um because they sing it from their cells every night at 9 and to, for them you know for the public to post videos online and their families see it it gives them hope and encouragement inspiration motivation and it brings awareness plus it helps revitalize patriotism in our country because for too long people have been whispering that they love the red white and blue um and so i i know every single person that you've just mentioned is in it 100% and mel has been singing the anthem uh for sing for freedom almost since the very beginning as soon as she heard uh about my campaign she was like this is great and she wanted to participate and uh she does a lot of great work with the Justice in Jeopardy podcast that she's out there making phone calls contacting congress and the marshals and trying to do everything that she possibly can to help 
those that are basically being destroyed by our own government. So, so something that was hands. really nice is last night um, I was on the Twitter space getting to talk to Shane, Shane that is in the DC Gulag, yeah, and we awesome. actually we actually got to hear all the guys singing from the jail and it brought tears to my eyes you know it, it brings me back to thinking today that the congress meeting was delayed today because the democrats refused to sing the pledge of allegiance i mean that's how unpatriotic this country has been so to see that the january sixers sing every night and care about this country and what it's built off of is incredible it's a beautiful thing and you uh you're part of that you're you are in this family that has grown out of the fire really like you know how the phoenix is reborn well this time it was a bald eagle and and you're part of this you know you're part of this family and we all are here to fight for you to speak up for you and to have your back now you're going to be going into sentencing shortly is that correct in april just so you know even after your sentence you're not going to be forgotten no matter what comes out of the judge's mouth you are still going to be in this family and we will still be out here fighting for you with every breath that we have in our lungs through your appeal through every bit of it um so do it, do what you can to keep in touch when they bring you in for processing and then they put you in solitary confinement quarantine for covid and all that stuff you're going to be well, out I of thought, touch I thought Biden said covid was over you know yeah well Biden says a lot of stuff and none of it's true uh-huh. covid didn't exist in my opinion to begin exactly. with so exactly right but what i'm saying is you know once you're past the indoc stage um reach out and we will make sure that everything that you need or anything that we can do to help you um it's not going to stop after your sentencing and we want to make sure that every j6er knows that that you have an entire nation standing behind you and we are the party of law order and unity and also the party of freedom and liberty and not judgment or discrimination you have been painted as a monster but quite frankly We see you as an angel, even if horns might hold up your halo. And I appreciate that more than you know. That is that that is a fear, getting locked up and being forgotten about. Whether it's being locked up in D.C. or being locked up in my home state, you know, I'm one of three defendants in my entire state, and one of them being my co-defendant that took a deal. So there's only one guy who also, I believe, took a plea deal. Um, so yeah, I feel. It's been a concern. We're in this together, girly. Now, have you reached out to uh Marie from Patriot Mail Project? I have not. You should because um they'll put you on their mailing list and you actually could have been receiving letters the entire time that you um have been dealing with this. And I'm glad to hear that you've gotten involved in this family and this groups because you shouldn't have to shoulder this burden alone. Um but make sure you reach out to Marie. Give her your information and let her know um like some bits about your case so that they'd be able to follow you wherever you go. Like if they send you to DC, if they send you to New Hampshire, if they send you to whatever federal shit hole they decide to stick you in. 
um, that they'll be able to get money on your books for commissary as well as getting Americans letters to you that people want to write and give you words of encouragement and hope and to let you know that you're not forgotten that's uh, something that I recommend to every J6er is to reach out to Marie because they have a completely just mind-blowingly complex system put into place to be able to follow all of the inmates and defendants and their families across the country to make sure that Americans that want to show their support can write them and then you can write back and etc. Um, plus all, it ties into all the other programs like Americans for Justice that helps with the food for J6ers as well as once you're done with whatever sentence they give you um, Mel out of the tragedy of the loss of her son has started the Elijah Fund which is going to be used to help get J6ers back on their feet once they get out and uh she is truly she, amazing i will say oh yeah yeah she's a rock star I'm, I'm honored to call her friend um but yeah i just want you to know that you're you're not in this alone and we're out here with you and i'll be screaming from the rooftops until they bury me under the prison which i don't know how long that's going to be but i understand that i'm walking into the lion's den as well so we're here for you thank you well, we certainly appreciate you very much. And uh, Kirsten, you have helped to inspire many people for many generations. Um, folks might not see this at face value because of how horrific it is, but people will be reading about these cases in law schools and talking about the time that Americans stood up and spoke up for the Constitution for many generations. They'll tell their kids and their grandkids. And so, we thank you for your patriotism and look forward to speaking to you again, even if it's just by letter or however. But hey, I, think, I think when this is all said and done, we need to have a massive patriot reuniting. Oh, the reunion's going to be lit. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But hey, God bless you. We thank you very much. And, uh, we we'll wish you the best in your endeavors, and hopefully we can get an update once your sentencing goes through in April. All right. God bless you, right. and God bless America. In this nation, we tend to be distracted easily. People get caught up in the circus. Our country is holding... American citizens as political prisoners without trial for two years now and it's barely making a blip on the news but China flies a balloon over our country and the military shoots it down and that is front page news for the last week it's all people can talk about nobody cares that TikTok and other social media platforms are spying on us that China is spying on us through TikTok, but yet they care about a balloon. Nobody cares that American citizens' rights are being taken away, lives destroyed, homes taken, kids taken, people suffering in prison for exercising their God-given rights on the Bill of Rights, the Constitution. They're upstanding Americans. The news doesn't mention it. The news doesn't mention Hunter Biden's laptop 
or the classified documents found at Joe Biden's home and the Penn estate and the, I mean, they had him in his garage for goodness sakes. And even records from when he was in the Senate, you could try to twist and uh, spin the idea that because he was vice president, he had some sort of authorization to hold these classified documents, but nothing, nothing in law says that he has the right to the documents from when he was a Senator. China Joe has classified documents from when he was in the Senate. Everybody worries about Chinese balloons. We have Chinese puppets right here in our nation. Eric Swalwell got caught sleeping with a Chinese spy while he was on the Intel committee. What happened? Nothing. We are distracted. We are not paying attention to what's actually going on. We are not raising our voices about the proper things. We as Americans need to speak up. Elections have been stolen. Results tampered with. Investigations shoved under the rug. Did everybody forget about Hillary's emails? What about WikiLeaks? The Podesta emails? Seth Rich was murdered for exposing the corruption in the DNC. Not a blip. The news doesn't say anything. Nothing happens. But hey, we're back on Twitter. That's what people are distracted by. Or hey, it's the FIFA World Cup. Super Bowl's coming up. Football. It's a circus. Our country is being destroyed one bureaucratic brick at a time. Americans' lives are lost every single day. The news doesn't mention it. But then you see some fluff piece about how the president got ice cream when he went by to this place. He saw these people and said these things. Did anybody see the state of confusion? I mean, state of the union? Half of what he said was broken up in syllables. He actually attacked half of the country, stating that we are a danger to America. The ones that want to protect, preserve our country's founding documents, the ones that want to uphold and defend American values. We're the threat. Not the ones destroying the economy, not the ones that are cutting off supply chains, not the ones mishandling classified documentation, but we're the threat. Think about that for a moment, America. They have deemed American citizens, peaceful protesters as terrorists, but they will not call the cartels in Mexico a terrorist organization. Antifa and BLM burnt down our nation with Molotov cocktails, killing people in the streets. They won't call them terrorists, but grandma went to the Capitol and said the Pledge of Allegiance. Now she's on the no-fly list marked as a domestic terrorist by Homeland Security. We cannot sit by silent anymore. We have to speak up. We have to say something. And it has to be someplace other than just Twitter. They stick us in these sequestered corners of the internet, hoping that we can't actually affect change, but that needs to change. We need to be the change that we want to see. We need to be the Americans worth fighting for. We, the people, need to be the people. And that's what makes January 6th so important, because they pushed people 
into the corners of the internet where nobody can see. They silenced half the country. And then they made the rest of the nation afraid to speak up so that they don't get persecuted, prosecuted, and discriminated against like the rest of us that are. The ones that are suffering under the full weight of the federal government right now are just the beginning. They've arrested almost a thousand. They said they're coming after at least 2,000 more, and then they're going to be coming after you. They're going to be coming after those that dare to speak out against this narrative that they're shoving down our throats, dare to come out against those that are trying to harm our children, those that are trying to push just pure debauchery into our nation. Look what they did to the parents at the school board meetings. They spoke up in defense of their children, and they were arrested and marked as terrorists by Homeland Security. Merrick Garland, our nation's attorney general, went after moms and dads that spoke up for their kids at school board meetings. The government asked, they actually paid Twitter to censor your voice. This is Pravda. This is propaganda. This is the indoctrination that they're giving the next generation so that the next generation will not know how to, let alone have the courage to speak up against their tyranny. We need to defend democracy by moving the pen, using the constitutional process against them to save our nation. That's what it was made for. The constitution gives us the power. We, the people, have the power. That's why they want to silence us. We are the ones in control. They serve us. And it's simple. We need to unify. Put aside the petty. Stop the small arguments over ideologies that really don't mean much in the big picture of things. It's time to get involved. Find what you're passionate about and speak up. On this platform, we push for truth. We push for saving the republic we promote the people that are out here fighting on the front lines to save our nation none of us are doing anything very big but a lot of us are doing little things here and there and that adds up to be huge we've already been making ripples in the swamp they are already afraid of us they already see that america is opening their eyes and it's because of you those that have been courageous enough to stand up and say we are Americans and it's going to stay that way. I want to encourage everybody to sing the anthem. We do the Sing for Freedom campaign and have been pushing it for two years. Hashtag sing the number four freedom. It helps revitalize patriotism. It shows the families and the inmates and defendants of January 6th that you stand in solidarity with them, that you don't agree with the injustices that are being pushed upon them by the federal government, like periodic beatings, macings, destruction of their lives, the taking of their homes, simply for being peaceful. It also brings awareness to the suffering that they go through, to get more eyes, hearts, minds, and voices involved. And for those that don't know, you might ask, well, what, what is Sing for Freedom? The inmates inside the jail sing the national anthem every night at 9 p.m. Eastern from their cells, behind steel doors. And when we heard that, we pushed it out into the public and said, get involved, let's stand and sing with them. So we do, every single night, thousands of patriots across the country 
stand in solidarity with American citizens that have not been to trial, have not been convicted of any crime, even though they sit in prison for two years in the most abhorrent conditions. And this isn't just for those that are locked up. This is also for the inmates that have been sentenced who lost their due process rights. This is also for the defendants that are sitting at home on electronic confinement. This is for any of those that are persecuted, prosecuted, and discriminated against because they dared to speak up and say, we love this nation. I also want you to visit the website. Sing the number four freedom.us. Singforfreedom.us is a central hub where you can find everything and anything you need to get involved and help out. If you want to donate to their Give Send Goes to help their families and their fundraisers, it's there and it goes directly to them. No middleman. Nobody's here to get a profit. But it goes help them save their homes, help them get lawyers, help them get what they need to stand up against this tyranny. And you can also find groups that get involved and do tons and tons of things for the January 6th defendants, inmates, and their families. Things that many people might not think of, like getting them phone cards so that they can speak to their families and loved ones. Getting them commissary on their books because they don't get enough food. Legal defense. Research funds. Programs to help them once they get out, like the Elijah Fund. That's at a, the number four justice.org, the Elijah Fund, A for justice.org. And it's a beautiful thing. People out here, boots on the ground, getting involved. So check them out. Get involved and speak up. You can also send a voice message for this podcast, and we'll broadcast you live so that everybody can hear it and the families can share in your love of nation as well. And we look forward to it. I thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Oh, say can you see by the dawn? Hey, 